You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September. It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. What's up, Honey Hole homies? Honey Hole homie. Wait, wait. We've tried that before, right? We, we had no, last that, week. Really? We did? Last yeah, week. We workshopped that. I was like, oh, I yeah. You weren't here last week. Oh, yeah. No, sorry about that. Yeah. We're here now. <laughs> hey. Welcome, hey. So welcome new back, to Gabe. me. It's Woo. new to me. Welcome back, Gabe. We yeah. missed you. I did. I missed you guys, too. You had a great conversation with Chris. You missed out. <sighs> we did. So, guys, today we just recorded <laughs> the best interview. Oh, man. I'm excited for them to listen. I'm going to maybe listen to this episode multiple times because Joe was awesome. It was a, it was a fun podcast, so for sure. a fun interview. We had Joe Cermelli on. He wasn't sitting with us, unfortunately, but we uh, zoomed him, and he talked with us about all things fishing. If you don't know Joe, he created the Master Splinterfly that we put recently posted a video about. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and then he was the host of the Bent podcast for Meat Eater. And before but that, he before that he was uh, Hook Shots. Hook Shots. Hook Shots. Yeah. Yep. Hookshots. And he was the uh, fishing editor for Field and Stream. He's an awesome dude. We have some great conversations, and specifically about the recent uh, tournament cheating scandal, and that was fun to talk about. And uh, oh boy, it's a good one. We're we're pretty jazzed up after talking to him. Oh yeah, yeah. Another one where we really had to cut it off before time constraints, but we could have easily kept talking. Oh, I could have talked to him for two hours. Oh, even after we ended, we talked with him for another twenty five minutes. Yeah, even after we ended, and that was great content too. We could have. Yeah, I was going. like, what? Yeah. Wait, did we not hit the record I know, button? Like, I know. Off? Yeah, no, I it was, know. No, it was good fantastic. Though. It was awesome how that worked out. So, but before that, that's coming later, and some other things we have to talk about, we have a quick note from our sponsor. From the vice to the boat to the bank to those moments you connect to a fish, Loon Outdoors is with you every step of the way with tools designed at the bench and on the water to help make your best day on the water better. I know you guys have, I think both of you guys have already talked about one of your favorite Loon products. I don't think I've shared. No, you haven't. Mine. Well, it goes without saying their UV products are pretty sweet, and that's what I use most of the time. But I have recently started using some of their tools, and I'm a fan of their bobbins. As some of the, someone who has been a fan of adjustable tension bobbins, which loons are not, I have recently found myself been using their bobbins because they're so dang comfortable to hold. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but they're really nice, and they make great tools. And I like their scissors too. Yeah, yeah, love their scissors. Been yeah, a big fan of those. But mainly, I use their UV products. Like that's my go-to. That's their stuff. Yeah. But plus, I want to try their new. On the water products. Yeah, well. they just came out with a new product launch. Yeah. So, and they, some of those look pretty sweet pliers and. Yeah, the pliers, I think I'm putting an order for the pliers. Yeah, different pliers, mm-hmm. nippers. I think they have uh, a couple of like. Scissors, different scissors too. Yep. Uh, gut releases mm-hmm. and. I think they had a scissor with a, with a comb, like a comb brush to cut as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's. Yeah. They got some new sweet stuff coming out. 
Um, so Gabe and I, oh, before we do that, Gabe, what are we drinking tonight? Tonight, uh, actually, I think it's it's a bottle of Zach. You, your dad got you. Your oh, stepdad. Yeah. Yes, yeah, my dad did. Okay, yes. So this one, from we looked at the bottle, this is a it's new rift. It is a single barrel. Uh, it was distilled in the fall of 2017 and then bottled in the fall of 2021. So math, we've been drinking already four years. Is that correct? So it's a somewhat younger bourbon. Um, we're looking at 113 proof, still kind of hot. And this one's barrel number 6702. And it's a bourbon, uh, Kentucky. Not Shaper. to be confused with barrel 6703. No, not at all. Nope. Or uh, 6701. Yeah. <laughs> and it's distilled aged and bottled by New Rift Distilling. Uh, New Rift is not uh, distributed in Texas, nope. so you have to get it outside of that. I've got a couple of bottles, uh, single barrels, uh, at How'd home. How'd you and snag them? From, um, part of our my dad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a single barrel group uh, that pulls money and then buys a barrel and then gets it gets it bottled, and um, so it's a great way to try out some stuff that either are a little bit older or some different offerings that you wouldn't necessarily get to buy at the store. Yeah, um, but yeah, this one it's it's good. It it is hot. I'm it is, it's very it is hot. hot. Yeah, for a four year old, I'm surprised it is it is um, you know that that spicy uh, that with that one fourteen hitting, but like normal other ones we've tasted, like the smoke wagons and stuff. To me, it's fruity. It's good. It's got a nice. It's got a nice little. Burn. I do like it. Yeah, and I'm not one for ice in my bourbons typically, but this one, one ice cube, it brings on that proof just enough. And you get a lot more of that fruit, and um, a little more of that sweetness comes out, yeah. and you don't get as much of that burn. And Joe, if you're listening to this uh, when it comes out, uh, I think you would appreciate the fact that we all had Jersey Mike's. And hot Cheetos. So uh, I, my palate is messed up right now. <laughs> you're, you're ready for bourbon? <laughs> I guess. Oh, uh, you know what we need to do? We need still have that cleaner. jerky in there that oh, yeah. we have not eaten. When are we going to do that? Oof. We got to save that for like a day. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we take it with us and yeah, we record with Chris. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Sweet. The only thing is it's going to be like the one chip challenge. We're going to try it and not want to do anything after. So we got to end the podcast with it. No, I think the podcast would be better if we rolled. If we're... <laughs> <laughs> we got to do one where we don't have a guest. That way we're just like, like we can die in peace, you know. Yeah. We don't have yeah. to focus too much. Or maybe we have an interview guest where we interview them first. Yeah. And then we do the do it, and it's going to be at the end. But right. you know, or, you may, know. or that maybe that's you know. just a video we need to do. But yeah. regardless, this is this is this is good. Like I said, my my palate is all jacked up with the flaming hot Cheetos and the Jersey Mike sub. But it, this is good though. This is really good. If I, I what's probably retail, I think was only like maybe fifty nine bucks. Yeah, it's not. It's much. not. It's not super expensive. Um, you just can't get it here. Yeah, but you just can't get it. You can't how, get it here. Every every time I'm in Tennessee, it's not typically a harder bottle to find like most places have it on the shelf no yeah all the pictures i've seen of other people going and bottle hunting in other states it's readily available and there's yeah. a rye offering um so yeah it's just not easy to find here no but i enjoy it it's mm -hmm. i feel like it's a, it's a good bourbon very good yeah i think if this this smoke wagon and eagle rare roll on the shelf it'd be a pretty hard decision between this and the eagle rare on the straight but they're both, they're good. I would not. If someone popped this open at, at a party, I would, be, I would not have an issue drinking this no, at all. Not at all. Yeah. So you like it too? I do like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very good. So Gabe and I went to the Texas Roundup this weekend. That was a long day. We left before the sun came up and we got home after it went down. A lot yeah. of howdies. 
Of a lot of what? A lot of howdy. Yeah. We were in yeah. Aggieland. A lot of thumbs up. Everyone with a thumbs up. Yeah. I was like, what's going on? Why does everyone give me a thumbs they up? They were having a good day. Tell they me were happy. Dude, a good job. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of thumbs up. Um, we woke up early, uh, you know, brought, had McDonald's. I feel like we had like five breakfasts. It was because we were up for like eight <laughs> yeah, hours already. Like yeah. Eating. yeah. Um, and we had like probably three Mountain Dews and and uh, and coffees. So I don't know about you, and my heart was racing till like ten o'clock. Yeah. Um, but we got up early, did the drive. I was really surprised that we got there as fast as we did for how far it was. Well, it was a three-hour drive, but me and Gabe were chit-chatting about life and just having a good conversation. Yeah. Then we're like, let's put on some stand-up comedy. Yeah. And listening to a stand-up comedy show always makes your drive go by it faster. It does. Who'd you listen to? Tosh. Tosh. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 The same yeah. one. The no. same old one? Uh, There's not. The the latest one that's come out is like 2016. I don't know. They're, all okay. They're they all funny. They are They're still funny. funny. They're still funny. I just didn't know if it was a new one because like, I've I've listened to like the oh, old ones. Yeah. 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 Uh, it seemed kind of old. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. It was still fun. It was it was good. We got there in the morning. The facility was really nice. They had a yeah. really good setup um, on there. Um, it was a great morning. And it was cold, too. It was It was nice. cold when we got there. I was like, dang, I need a jacket. Like, I was legitimately cold. Yeah, um, I had a little uh, uh, Sims vest on, and, and that that was nice. And then it got really freaking hot. You got a suntan. Yeah. I was surprised about I that. Did. I was surprised about that. But um, yeah, we got a lot of cool vendors, met a lot of cool people. A lot uh, of met a, met a lot of listeners that we hadn't met before. So yes. if we met you out at the Texas Roundup, it was nice to meet yeah, you. Yeah, thanks guys. for coming by. And thanks for for shaking hands. A lot of and people supported us. They bought some Drama Lupe stickers, which the Drama Lupe sticker. Collab sticker is now live on our website. So if you guys want one, go on and order it. Drama Lupe Honey Hole Hangout. Yeah. Um, we got, they had free samples from Ben and Milam. Uh, oh, how were they? Very good. They had a single barrel, which was very good, a double barreled, and then a, a rye, a blended Double barreled, uh, like, like a mixture of two barrels? Uh, so they, okay, so we were asking about this because on some of them, they don't, distill all their stuff there no they don't and so they get their stuff from mgp which is not a problem with that i love mgp it's great um but on one of them their double barrel one they got it from mgp and then they aged it in two other barrels and i forget what the barrels were that they aged them in but they uh, finished them in a barrel yeah okay finished them in in two barrels okay so like one would have been for a couple of months and then moved it to another one and not your traditional charred american oak or was no it it was yeah okay so it wasn't like a port barrel they finished no it was it was uh i think it's still to qualified as a a bourbon bourbon. okay yeah because it would have it would have initially been in new oak barrels but the i just can't remember what the other two were and i think the or maybe i'm getting confused with the rye one of them for sure the other two were blended or in a barrel yeah um, well, they have a master, uh, I don't know, blender or somebody, you know, like, yeah. I don't know what they call them. But. Didn't try the rye, but tried the single barrel. Fantastic. Really yeah. good. Heavy cherry, heavy fruit. Like, just smelling it smelled like maraschino cherries where you're just sticking your nose, like, yeah. right in it. Uh, and then they had, what was it? They had, like, a, their take on a... Whiskey sour. Whiskey sour. i pretty good. But with uh, elderflower... Right, elderflower. Well, I don't remember the. Yeah, I think it was elderflower, el- elder something. It wasn't el- elderberry. It was elderflower. Uh-huh. Did they put egg white? Uh, no. So he had it already mixed, but the elderflower was like a simple syrup. Oh. Uh-huh. And it wasn't as botanical tasting as a gin. Right. But it was really, really good. Like good. it had that little botanicalness yeah. with the sweetness. Oh, we I've 
I think we could have just hung out by that thing and just drank that all day. I haven't yeah. had their stuff in a while. I liked it when it was Ben Milam, you know, mm. like when they first opened up. And then I tried the first few iterations of the Milam and Green, and it just didn't strike a chord with me, you know. And uh, But I've heard recently it's gotten better. Or there are... I, I not like it's gotten better, but yeah. it's it's changed, so I need to try it again. So, and we talked with a guy that was out there. We are going to go out there and to, record uh, a podcast Blanco. there. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. we just got to schedule it. Have you ever been there? I've driven by it. It's cool. It's neat. Uh, Kendall, I've been out there a couple times. Yeah. It's, it's a neat little place to go and, and catch a drink. And then we could go catch some cichlids. Ooh, I like that idea a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. And then, so we did that. Um... Chris Johnson was across from us. Um, so big shout out to, to Chris over there from Living Waters. It was great. To he didn't have him. donuts. <laughs> we did. We we gave him a hard time <laughs> about round rock donuts. Yeah, yeah, I was like, how yeah. do you how do you see him and not have like a box there? So, um, so yeah, that was funny. And, and then, then uh, but he is making up for it by coming on the podcast next week. Yeah, and he hopefully hopefully we guilted him enough that he's gonna yeah bring we a box did for us. we did pull a little guilt trip on him like hey man if you come bring a box of Bring a box of bring, donuts bring some with you. Donuts. Yeah. yeah, bring bring all of them, all the donuts all in that just store, all the ones yeah. they have left, just all of them. Uh, and um, and then uh, Kevin Hutchison was there. Um, yeah. He got a new project, Tough Lie. Tough Lie. Tough uh, Lie. I keep saying Tough Lie because I, I think that's how everyone says Tough Lie. Tough yeah. Fly. Tough Lie. And I used that in the past. So it was really cool talking with him and and chit chatting about um, that coming back and and him actually taking over the reins, uh, taking over that product. And and it was great to hear his passion about it and where you know where they're they're going to take it and where it's going to go. So I'm really really excited for that coming down in the future. And um, yeah, it was really cool stuff. And they We've, had oh yeah. go ahead go ahead no I say they had casting. They had a lot of stuff you know for kids. There was a lot of kids running around. They had like a jump house for kids. Yeah, I mean there's stuff yeah. for them to do. It's like a family, very much a family event. Very much a family. and there's I was really happy the fact that there was a number of families there that everybody fly fished. There's one family in particular, like the two two brothers had their stuff. He was probably like twelve and yeah. nine. They were showing us their flies that they tie. Oh, oh really? Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. And yeah. he and he had some game changers, some feather changers, and caught some nice bass while out there. Yeah, one kid caught a five pound bass while we were out there. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was, it was cool. on the little yeah. pond that was behind you guys? Yeah. yeah. On nice. stuff that he was tying very passionate about. So it was cool, cool, uh you know, cool talking to him about, you know, how he ties his flies and does does that. And he had um Stuff directly tied from uh, was it Blaine uh, Crockett that does the the original game changers Blaine Blaine Blaine, Blaine excuse me Chocolate. Blaine Chocolate. Um, it always throws me off um, but yeah it fun time good morning yeah what else did we do Landon uh man we talked with so many great people it's hard to like put it all I mean we hang out did with you guys Steve. record anything there no we did not right. no we we have some great people to have on nice nice so but we didn't do any recordings there hung out with Evan was there with us yep. And uh, he got his table back. He got his table back. They nice. barely fit in my car. And he didn't bring any cookies, though. He, yeah, he didn't bring any cookies. Boo. Yeah, I know. And then he Bummed complained, that. like, oh, you guys are only my friends now because yeah. I'm opening a cookie store. Yeah. But, but also, he did ask us, well, what, what's your favorite cookies, guys? Yeah. And we're like, well, free ones, and what they're not your, here. What is your favorite cookie? <sighs> I don't know. I, I guess uh, I'm a big fan of, like, Ranger or anything with like oatmeal raisin, I think is really Ranger good. Ranger cookie has like uh, like the pecans. cereal in it, right? No pecans. Um, at least the ones I've had, are like you know pecans, more more nuts and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm an oatmeal chocolate chip guy. 
Really? But they're hard to find. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because most people... Actually, you think they're hard to find? Because I feel like that's the one that nobody wants, and so they're always at what's left. I don't know. Like, I would say the oatmeal raisin, I think, is like just... I don't like. I just good. Oh, oh. change the raisins for chocolate chips. Yeah, I thought oatmeal, I, I was chip. thinking you said oatmeal raisin. No, no, no. no, 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 no. no but no. you're right. Oatmeal raisins sometimes is the last. No, one those in the are box. the yeah, last ones in the box. There, yeah, yeah which no, I'm fine with. I'm saying oatmeal chocolate chip. You get that oatmeal, and then you get the chocolate chips. It's like right. an oatmeal cookie and a chocolate chip cookie combined. It's perfect, but they're hard to find. Yeah, if I wanted breakfast, I would have ate breakfast. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oatmeal raisins. <laughs> no, uh, I, a good macadamia nut. I guess I like a white chocolate macadamia yeah. nut. Yeah, Kindle makes uh, a dual colored one. It's white chocolate and chocolate chip. Chocolate Ooh, one. when are we gonna have some of those on the podcast? I don't, I'll tell her because she knows they're my favorite. But also, <laughs> um, I'm a huge fan of almond extract, and so she uses mm, that yeah. instead of vanilla extract, and it, they are fantastic because you know van- yeah. like almond has like like kind of like a little cherry flavor, yeah. so it's kind of like a white chocolate cherry. So cookie. there's Ooh, yeah there's yeah, there's so one good. that sounds good. It's there's, so good. There's one that my aunt always makes. She makes them early. She puts them in the freezer. She brings them down when she drives down from Dallas for Thanksgiving. And it's an it's an almond it's an almond cookie with an almond on the top. So it's a little like you know almond. Uh-huh. Fantastic, great. And I happened to be at that Alibaba um, food market yeah. over there, and we walked in and they had like a box where they that they sold uh, that. Um, which I was really surprised that that was a thing over there. Uh, I don't know. I, I need to go and buy and try them side by side. But, yeah, it's just like an almond, almond extract, almond cookie, but with a little, um, you know, with a little almond on the top of it. And uh, very straightforward, very oh, good. Yeah. Have you guys ever had Turkish Delights? Why does that sound familiar? They're like the little, they're like gummy, jelly yes, things. yes, those are good. From yeah. uh, I get mine from uh, baklava. Yeah, baklava. Yeah, yes, that's exactly. where I've had them. Those are good. The pistachio ones. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a long. Um, it's like a probably about a, a foot long. Right, but it's they a cut square. off the slices. Yeah, it's a it's a long uh, cube square deal, rectangle deal, and you just say, yeah, I want like three or four, and they yeah they cut you in little. Yeah, it's oh, so good. Those are so good. Yeah. Yeah, I can go for Turkish delights right now. It always reminds me of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, mm. you know, because that's what the witch uses to, like, seduce yeah, right. the kid. Oh, I never paid attention to mm. Oh, really? I never yeah, she's knew like, that was would you like some Turkish Delights? And he's like, Turkish Delights are my favorite. She's like, get in, you know, and he does. Mm. So, <laughs> Man, that sounds good right now. Some almond cookies, some Turkish coffee. Oh. Some proper Turkish coffee. Turkish Delights. The best part of our trip. Yeah, a little bit of hookah. The best part of our trip was driving home, speaking of food, because we stopped at, where did we stop at? So I was very particular talking to Landon, like, hey, Landon, it's uh, 4 he's, o'clock, man. We're he's like, we've got to leave. We've got to leave. I'm like, well, the event's not over yet. It's like, like I know, I Landon. Wanna, I don't want to be the first one to pack up. But this place has Somebody's really good pie. This place has really good pie, Landon, and it's an hour away on the way home, so we need to stop because they close at 6. <laughs> um, so I was very vocal about that, so we left. And the funny thing was, I guess they've got, it, so it's in Round Tops, called Royer's Pie Haven. Uh-huh. Is uh, it a haven? Pie? Or does the story have a sad ending? No, no. Oh, no, no, no. no. Not at yeah. all. <laughs> Only. Not a, oh. How are those leftovers? Fantastic. Fantastic. Yes, they were. Okay, so we both had the steak special, which includes a 10-ounce uh, ounce filet. Okay. That's probably two inches thick, on like tall, two yep. inches tall, on top of a bed of garlic mashed potatoes and a okay. special little... Uh, cream sauce on top of that. Sounds With great. 
Onions and mushrooms. With onions and mushrooms. That sounds really good. This is at the Pie Haven? At the Pie. Yeah. Well, yeah, because their food, their food's Their food is So awful. it's called the Pie Haven, but they sell steak? Yes. They have a full menu. Like, so you can eat menu. there, and then you get pie after. Now, mm-hmm. can you put the steak in a pie? I, sky's the limit, man. Cool. You, you order you it. Do you do you. I like yeah. it. But they have, like, 15 different types of pie. Okay. I, I went with the bourbon pecan uh, a la mode. Ooh. And, a la mode. Um, getting fancy with some ice cream on and top. It, oh. So, like, I only got through half my steak, and Landon did the same and got that. And then, Landon, what did you get? You got I got their bread pudding pie. I love a bread pudding. I know, dude. Oh, it was man. so good. With a little bourbon sauce on top was and ice cream. Did Holy, it have a crust? It, it had like a, yeah, it had like a crust. Because I'm wondering how they called it a pie. You know? It was, I don't know, man. dude. It was so, dude, it was so good, it though. It was so good. So, Round Top is a small town, like literally, like small, small, small town. Uh-huh. Um, and it's known for their antique shows. And a couple of times a year, maybe like three or four times a year, they have an antique show that literally spans three miles. So as we're driving out, you pass a lot of these big, like, warehouses and outdoor tent stuff, you know, as as you make your way out because all of those would be filled with vendors and stuff like that. So there had to have been something going on because they said they close at 6, but people were still coming in at 6 o'clock. And usually when I'm in that town, it's always closed. So they have have an annex, um, a little coffee shop, pie place, um, kind of behind there in, in some other shops that stay open a little bit later. And that's usually where I pick up some pies, grab some for the girls, and come home. So she had, Crystal wanted the rhubarb, strawberry rhubarb, and I got her a slice of apple pie as well. Both of them were fantastic. It's rhubarb pie. And then they make, yeah, Ma- McKenna's gluten-free, and they had a gluten-free pecan pie. Was it good? That I took to McKenna. That's the first time she's had pecan pie since she found out that she couldn't eat gluten. And huh? she said it was fantastic. Good. Yeah, it was yeah. good. So next year when we go to this, plan to do the same thing. Yeah. So we had a delicious, expensive meal after a long day, and it was just tough enough trying to keep each other awake on the way home, not trying to fall asleep in just a food coma. A pie. A pie. A pie coma. Um, it, was, it was good. And then, yeah, I had, I had my leftovers yesterday for breakfast. Oh, so good. So good. What'd you do over the weekend? Did you do anything like fishy wise? Um, no, I didn't. No, no. But I think what we did, uh, I went out and ripped up a whole bunch of weed. Not weeds. I uh, saw that on Instagram. Vines. Yeah, we spent like hours out there ripping up vines to only rip up like nine square feet. Hey, but you got it looks like you put up really? stuff for Halloween already. Oh yeah, dude. only nine square feet. Yeah. Are you trying to get them all gone? Yeah, I'm trying to kill it. Because it's not like a weed. It's like that um, Asiatic jasmine vine that like people put down at some point because it looks nice, you know. But Then it grows over everything. It grows over everything. And the people who owned our house, they rented it out for years and years. And when you're a renter, you don't really care about the maintenance of your yard, especially your side yard, you know. And so we're trying to get rid of all that and replace it with rock and like some, you know, bushes or something. Yeah. But for right now... Um, our main process is getting it out through the roots and everything so that way we can actually lay that stuff down and get rock on top. Mm-hmm. So it is a process, you know, but Kendall and I are out there working together and getting it done, you know. So that's good. Nice. But I'm trying to think, I did not fish. No. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we're going We're going fishing on Saturday. We are, are going fishing. Looking, are you looking forward to that? Dude, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to going on Saturday. Yep. Uh, maybe also, too. Wait, how do you make your coffee in the morning? Depends on where I'm at. Okay. So if I'm at home, 
for the longest time, I was just making it into a regular, you know, thing. But then I got a, um, uh, I forget where I picked it up, but I don't know. Mom had an extra, went to the parents' house, and they had an extra, like, personal French press. So I was doing the French press for a while. But I can't, I, it's been it's been actually kind of a couple of weeks since I had a cup of coffee in the morning. I think there's been a couple of times where I just ran to Starbucks at lunch or something and grabbed something. But usually it would just be a quick little scoop and a half of, uh, of uh, some some coffee uh, grounds and and then boiling hot water gotcha. and just let it go for a couple of minutes and then slow that slow little push watching the little little, little, little thing is going. and then uh, and then pour that and made just the right amount of coffee that because I'm thinking like maybe Landon needs to try some like good coffee on Saturday. Well, if you guys are getting up, I mean you guys have a long morning, so we have a long day, but we're not gonna get up at four to make it down to the coast. But no, because we gotta go all night. Because we have to, we're gonna be and podcasting, and then we gotta drive back. Yes, so do it both ways. Take your coffee stuff, and then we can have. So a just make some right coffee, away. bring it over. Yeah, before we leave, I will. Yeah, yeah. Put it in your, one of your Yeti cups, and then just pour it out when you guys get here. And I'll try it. Yeah, you'll try your bad coffee, and then you'll be like, "Oh, I have been making coffee the wrong way." Okay, let's do it. But you gotta try a black. You can't put anything in it. That's fine. I'll okay. be drinking. Crappy. And once you try, it, you can do whatever you want. But yeah, that's fine. We'll figure it out. I can't. I always forget. I forgot that. I I keep forgetting that it's happening on Saturday, even though I've already like got the day off. Yeah, you guys are like, like you're you're. I mean, you're going. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. Like, well, and it's and it's funny now. When we said we were gonna do this, and I realized it was anniversary weekend, uh-huh. I was like, okay, let me call the wife real quick. Hey. Hey, would you like to go to the coast this weekend? This on the uh, the weekend of October, you know, and something. And she's like, "Yeah, that'd be great." I'm like, for, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're gonna do a little podcast on Saturday." But but uh, it won't be a little, little, little day. Just a little bit, just a little bit time. So I was like, yeah. "Yes, kill two birds with one stone." Uh, so we're gonna leave it. We'll be up there Friday. I'll be hanging out with the girls on on Friday, and and then Saturday morning. And then if, there's a hotel that we used last time, where uh, like a block away is uh-huh. a small park that has beach access. Um, on the island, so that's where nice. we're gonna. I mean, we can always bring my pop up and find a little place to camp and just stay the night and then leave Sunday morning. Uh, we'll drive back. That's what I figured. Well, if we get that bad, you guys can sleep in my hotel floor. Woohoo! Yeah, um, actually, we can. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. like it's your anniversary or anything. Can you guys be quiet? <laughs> 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 The one guarantee a year. <laughs> make y'all, uh, make y'all babysit the kid while the wife and I go <laughs> go downtown corporate. <laughs> well, oh well, guys, are y'all ready to transition over to Joe's interview? I think we should. Yeah, I think we should. All right, guys. Well, <clears throat> I don't even know what to say. We just had just, such a good time. Dude, yeah, it, it was a enjoy, great time. Enjoy listening. He, was, Joe. Oh man, so much fun having the podcast. And uh, you can tell he's been doing yeah. this. Yeah, you can tell he's, he's a, a podcast pro. I will say, like, if yeah. if this if you only listen to us in the morning, I think this one would be a great one. If you pop open a beer in the evening and just listen to this, just hang out with just us. Just hang out with us. This would be yeah. a good one to pop a beer open in the morning. Honestly, that yeah. too. <laughs> just hang out. If that's with your us. thing. <laughs> make some fancy coffee. Yeah, make you some know. Fancy yeah. A little bit yeah. of uh, of uh, uh, Buffalo Trace uh, cream and uh, ooh, you'd yeah. be good to go. I like it. Sweet. All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoy our interview with Joe. And don't forget to go to Wild Rivers Coffee Company, speaking of, and use code HONEYHOLE for a discount on some great coffee. Great coffee. I like the one with the bear. I like the one with the fish. That's right. All right, guys. Enjoy our interview. 
I don't set the room tone at my joint. (laughs) (laughs) The room tone sets me. Oh, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right, guys. So we have uh, a great guest for y'all today. We have Joe Cermelli. We're really excited to have you on, Joe. Thanks for joining the Honey Hole Hangout podcast and hanging out with us. Uh, We first kind of got connected with you when Gabe decided to tie the master splinter. I don't know if you remember that. And yeah, when you guys ripped started. off my fly. He ripped it yeah. off. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, man, I've, I've, man, I've, I've, made, I, I've, I've sold so much, I've already you know bought a bike off of it. <laughs> yeah, you got, I invented it, and I didn't have enough for a bike yet. And so, yeah. <laughs> well, did, No did. one's seen it down here, especially yeah. since we're tying it all small. It's like, oh, man, this is great. You know, and it's, yeah. Yeah. It's been great. Thank you for that. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, dude, it was cool. I love it. It's a funny thing. Well, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit, but like, you know, people are so protective of flies i love that like nothing makes me happier than seeing somebody else tie it and tie it different so good job and plus honey hole like i you can't i can't not be on a podcast with a good name like that so oh awesome. we, we appreciate that <laughs> so joe just a little bit about your uh quick history run through so you were the fishing editor for field and stream mm-hmm. for 10 years and- yep for 10 years. Okay. And then you had a TV show with them. And Gabe, what was the name of that again? Uh, was, you had Hook Shots. But it was, was that, that was just Webb? Or yeah. Was, J- just Webb. I'm, I'm not a TV guy. I've popped into TV here and there and other people's stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. no. Hook Shots and then B-Side Fishing after that at Mediator. Yeah. We're, we're, all, we're all Web yeah. series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you had the Bent podcast with Mediator, which we've all listened to here. And then we have some stuff we'll talk about that's coming up in the future. Um, any any significant parts of your history that we're missing from those things from your fishing history? No, not not really. But I mean, I've I've been in this game full time, fresh out of college. I graduated in '05, and and somehow I've uh, I've managed to to be a full time fishing media person ever since. So it's uh, that's awesome. It's it's, it's it's been fun. It's a cool job. You know, I certainly don't take it for granted. I've gotten lucky and gotten to do some really cool things, but somehow. Full time, I've managed to do this. So, saltwater sportsman, field and stream, outdoor life, meat eater, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been cool. So, we couldn't have timed this podcast better to have you on at the time of the fishing scandal. Oh uh, uh, yeah, the, the okay. I'll bite. Scandal. I'll I'll bite. I'll yeah. bite the lid. Okay. Yeah. I'll bite it. I was yeah. driving here, going like, "That's the first question I want to ask." <laughs> yeah, because I I've already ordered the hat, the ranger hat, and the ranger uh, hoodie, and I'm gonna be that guy for Halloween. Wait, what? Is oh, that? that's brilliant, though. Yeah, I like I'm gonna be that. that dude for Halloween. I'm gonna oh. get a little milk crate. You're gonna with hand like, like some like lead weights around your neck. Yeah, or something? Well, I'm gonna get. A, I'm gonna get oh, a milk I might crate. jack that because I don't yeah. know what I'm gonna be for Halloween. Yeah, that's Joe. Joe, I'll let you. I'll let you do that since I since I took took your fame on that fly. No, I you guys have to be original. You. you have to. Yeah, no, yeah. that's great. And, yeah, and you know what the funny the thing is? Everybody will get that whether they fish or not because the stupid story is so viral that people that have no have oh. nothing to do with fishing are like all over it. So yeah, everybody at the party will get it when you're bobbing for apples. It's crazy. On TikTok, I'll be scrolling and five videos in a row will be like some dude's commentary on the whole fishing yeah. scandal. And I'm like, five videos in a <laughs> row? And they're all like 100,000 likes. Dude, I, um, I, I knew about it 10 minutes after the first video was posted. And frankly, it kind of ruined my weekend because I'm just like trying to do weekend dad stuff. And it's my phone's just like, bam. And every, you know. It's kind of a blessing and a curse because you know what so many people are saying was like, oh, I mean, you you would have a field day with this on Bent, which is true. If Bent were still an operational podcast right now, it would have been gold. But I'm sort of between podcasts, so there's this weird obligation. Everybody's like, "What do you think? What do you think? What do you think?" And I'm like, "Ah, 
I just, I just, I just don't really want to think about it. But I'm happy to talk about it here because I, I, I do have kind of a unique perspective on it. Maybe that's okay. Not yeah, out let's there. shoot. So before we get into your perspective, let's like let's just run down the facts of what happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if you guys haven't seen this video, if you listen to this podcast and you haven't seen this video. And this is coming out to basically two weeks after it happened. I don't know what rock you're living under. I was going to say, but <laughs> but you can go and online and just Google fishing tournament cheaters, and it will be a thousand hits for you to see the video of what happened. So, but uh, Joe, like a quick summary of the facts of what happened. Well, I mean, so I, I'm getting most. I, I I have some good friends in that scene um, that I've talked to about it, but I, I'm I'm not really going to be able to provide any more facts other than what you guys uh, have read. And I mean, truthfully, and that's that's part of my gripe with this whole thing is that when you strip it down to the to the facts and the deed, it's the oldest. Tr- it's completely unoriginal. I mean, the the guys you know stuffed a bunch of lead weights and fillets down the gullets of these fish and. Uh, cheated in the tournament and it's there seems to be allegations to suggest that this is not the first time because as 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 i read it and from talking to people these two dudes like never won anything and then all of a sudden out of nowhere they're winning everything um yeah and there there were if if you dig into it a little bit there there was some serious in my opinion serious red flags way before this happened that that you know but people are seem so disgusted by this idea of cheating in this tournament and stuffing lead weights that dude that's the oldest trick in the book i mean that's a running joke in fishing there's no there's no yeah, tournament yeah. where somebody doesn't win and some guys like oh check make sure you didn't put in sync i mean it's you know so honestly in terms of 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 cheating uh they were they were they were kind of bad at it i mean you know i in, in talking to friends of mine in the wall i seen it's like yeah, you know, a common thing to do is you jam ice down a fish's throat. So just for way and you pack it full of ice. Now it weighs more, and by the time somebody balks at it, it's melted in the stomach. Guys, you know, will have um, hidden live wells custom built into their boat so they can hold a fish they caught yesterday yeah. for the tournament today. So in terms oh, of wow. ways to cheat, like you couldn't have been any lazier. I mean, it's pretty yeah. brazen if you think about it. You know, well, or I got also really saw greedy. They stuffed really fillets. Greedy. Yeah. So what's yeah the fillet part? The fillet part, stuffing fillets in there. Sa- same thing. Fillets. If yeah. you just feel what, which makes no sense to me. The fillets were smarter than the weights. So I guess the idea yeah. there being you stuff them full of fillets, and if somebody just feels the belly, they're not going to feel anything unnatural because it's just more yeah. walleye meat. You know. So okay, so they they would catch a small walleye, cut it up, and then shove those fillets. And a larger walleye. That, or they would would save walleye fillets from other trips and bring them out with them. But I mean, you know, the results the same. Right, right. So, I mean, obviously the way was probably the cue. Did was there a bunch of other tournament guys there that were like, uh, "That's not a ten pound fish. You yeah, guys need to cut him open." Well, yeah, but it's actually it's 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 a little more complex than that. And again, I'm uh, I'm very good friends with Ross Robertson. He's been in Hook Shots videos, one of my oldest buddies, and he is a tremendous Lake Erie walleye fisherman. So I'm giving him credit. Um, you know, cause he's, he's one of the sources that I talked to and we were kind of shooting the breeze. Matter of fact, he also has a podcast. Um, I'll plug him very quickly because he was smart enough to jump on a live podcast with the tournament directors. So like one oh, of the nice. most detailed in-depth talks yeah. about it. Yeah. It's worth looking up. He's big water fishing. Anyway, what you got to understand with, with walleye out there is, um, you end up with these bodies of fish that move around the lake. So essentially, most or all of the walleyes will be in one place at one time. And they've had such incredible year class spawns in, in 2015, 2016, millions and millions of fresh walleyes into the system that now you have just this glut 
of of these few year classes out there, and they're all. I think Ross said they're like four or five pounders now. So what's actually happening is the, the walleye fishing is so good in Lake Erie. There are so many fish that it's become increasingly difficult, even for the good guys, to pick a 10, 13 pounder out because you're fighting through all these schools and schools and just piles and piles of these smaller fish. So then you have these tournaments and it's like maybe the average, say, is three pounds. So everybody in the tournament is out there beating up on three pounders. And maybe one guy gets a four or one guy gets a four and a half or whatever. But these tournaments, as I understand it, are often won by ounces because there's not that much variation. It's not like these okay. guys caught all 10 pounders and these guys caught all two pounders. Everybody is catching the same cookie cutter fish for the most part. Yep. So where these guys screwed up, the reason they got called out is because, you know, this guy caught a 27-inch walleye and it weighs four and a half pounds. They weigh in a 27 and a half inch walleye and it weighs eight pounds. That's just that doesn't jive. Yeah, right. So right. again, I mean, the way they did it was incredibly stupid. I mean, it was very brazen and brash. To you know how whether this is exactly what they did in other tournaments. If they did in fact cheat in other tournaments, we don't know. But this time, the one you're seeing, I mean, that was ballsy, man. I mean, it was just kind of kind of begging to get caught. But that's 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 why they got called out because everybody had the same size fish. Theirs were just way heavier. Now, are they mainly walleye tournament guys, or are they doing other types of tournaments too? Uh, that that I don't know, but I'm you know I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's such a big scene, the walleye tournament scene out there. And there's Yeah, see, and we're down in Texas. We don't know yeah, that much about it. Uh, you don't need to, dude. Yeah. They're, they're terribly yeah. boring fish. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, I, I'm kidding and I'm not. But I, there's, there's also, I've heard people say, well, you know, these guys are mostly fishing these sort of club tournaments, if you will, like these local smaller tournaments. And there was there was speculation like, well, if you boys are that good, if you're that skilled, why aren't you jumping in the national walleye circuit yeah. and winning yourself $300,000 instead mm -hmm. of $10,000? And now in hindsight, it's like because, you know, they thought it's going to be easier to game the local club tournament of 50 boats than try and get one over on the national walleye tour. But um, I don't even know how many other tournaments are, are out there. Like there, there may be some, some bass tournaments on occasion, but for the most part, that culture around the lake is so walleye driven. I mean, that is just... That's the fish that drives the economy. I just I just wrote a story for uh, Outdoor Life about the tagging study out there. I mean, I won't get all, I won't get into it, but I mean, insane amounts of money have been spent with acoustic tags so that Ohio DNR knows where all the walleye are at all time, like Big Brother, and it's beneficial because it's such a money driver. So my guess okay. is these guys just walleye fish would be my guess. No, I believe I I, I did hear some of the stuff from Big Water and they, and I I, I want to say they had the tournament director on and and part of the story too was that they were going to get a camera crew to follow them and follow the top guys in in these these tournaments and and kind of document them as a way to kind of get a guy on a boat to follow with them. Mm -hmm. And so there like, were some red flags there. Oh, there were okay. some red flags there and then one of the one of the days too, they had a big rainstorm, and the the camera guys couldn't couldn't go on the boat with them. Something to that effect. But there was, I mean, they were at least trying to to figure this out because they had one back to back. I mean, just 
Something was up. It just seemed to be that lucky. Sometimes it's hard to do. Now, if they can prove that they have been doing this for a while, can they demand they return those that prize money? So well, it turns out it's a it's a it's against the law because of uh, some of the um, not the gambling thing, but there's there's like raffle. I forget the there is a, a section in there where they could go to jail or face fines and stuff. Really? Okay. Yeah, and and I'm not an, an expert on 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 the backlash. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm really not, but. Uh, you know, I, I think that unless they come out and say, oh yeah, we cheated in all those other tournaments, I think they're going to be hard pressed to get them on past tournaments. I mean, I, right. I think that's going to be all water under the bridge and I can see that honestly, and again, you know, I'm, I'm gleaning this from, from friends from Ross, but I tend to agree with them. You know, this big crazy thing happens and everybody's going nuts. They got to go to jail. They got to do this. We got to you know, grab a pitchfork. We got to kill these guys. In the end, when all the dust settles, the ramifications are probably going to be pretty minimal. Like they, they, I, 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 I would be shocked if these guys did a day behind bars for this, mm-hmm. because while this sounds kind of crappy, if you think about it, it's this like big, raging, festering thing right now. But stop and think about what you're talking about. You're talking about two guys cheating in a local fishing tournament. It's not murder. They didn't. It's not armed robbery. So you know it's under investigation. Um, is, is Cleveland PD going to drop everything for that? I don't know. And th- and look, this is based on. I've done so much news coverage of, of people doing bad things in fishing, cheating in tournaments. You know, you get these news stories where a guy's caught with eight hundred ninety-five crappies over the limit, and your gut reaction to these things is like, oh, this guy, we got to punish. This guy deserves everything that's coming. But if you really take the time later to follow up, which most people don't, that's the other part of this story, is that this will go away, and we'll see you know, what the follow-up is. Um, yeah, you get your license taken away forever or you know, something like that. If you're keeping 800 crappies over the limit, you don't really care about having a license. And they have yeah. these huge fines, but do they ever get paid? Usually they don't. So I think when it's all said and done, they're going to get in some kind of trouble. But it's not going to be this big. It's not going. It's not going to the grand jury. It's not going to be right. on court. Are they getting right. kicked out of all future tournaments? I don't yeah. think anything has been decided in terms of punishment. Okay. I mean, they just keep saying it's still under investigation. You bring up a really good point as far as that because I think we've all seen episodes of Lone Star Law here in Texas where <laughs> the guy has you know. Uh, 300 undersized crappie and, and it, at the end of the show it says oh this guy got fined for 300 bucks <laughs> yeah right and yeah. And, and, yeah. And, he, and he didn't have his license and he didn't have in fact yeah. we're still trying to follow a story here in San Antonio yeah I was where, where where a Chinese restaurant got caught with like 500 we, hey, we, pounds we don't know if it was a Chinese restaurant the background of the pictures <laughs> say a lot uh, a lot of dragons in the backside of that um, but anyway so like they had like 500 pounds of like uh with shark fins shark, shark fins, fins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah frozen and they have they have the the you know the game wardens out there standing with all of their stuff going you know spread out to take a picture but they're they're even in in all the news coverage like well they don't know how they got them and technically they weren't <laughs> serving it yeah. so it's like well wait a second yeah and we've been trying to follow up i mean the shoot that happened eight nine months yeah. ago and we've been checking for coverage on it and there's no updates whatsoever and they won't even name the restaurant well, no, but and fair, and po- fair point to that it's though. the same thing happening with this you know so it's like this is on cnn uh this is in the new york times but None of these big news outlets are going to follow up to, because it's probably going to be a very uninteresting story, and it's probably going to take months for any kind of resolution. Yeah, you know, I'm. I mean, these guys are holed up somewhere now. Nobody's even heard from them again. 
Um, but, you know, I think this is sort of my perspective on it. And it, it, it makes me it makes me kind of mad because, again, if you if you're shocked by what they did, people shouldn't be because it's been happening forever. I mean, people have been cheating in tournaments a million different ways forever. But what bothers me is there are so many things um, in the fishing community and in the fishing world that I often look at and go, man, that that really, this is cool. This really deserves some national attention for, for what these guys are doing or this conservation effort or whatever it may be. And it's like, this is the thing that's going to put recreational angling in front of every non-angler. I, I find that sad. Like, I, I really yeah, do. Yeah. I find that sad um, to the point where I, I I'm was almost hesitant. You know, it's like chasing the shiny thing. Everybody's chasing the shiny thing. I'm like, I don't want to chase the shiny thing. I think this is this is this is ridiculous. You know, so yeah, it's it's all this this stirred up drama, and you know that's that that's just now you're representing recreational angling to the non-angling public yep. with this. You know, well, Joe, if it makes you feel better, and I haven't told you guys this update. Uh, we volunteered at with real Re- we volunteer with real recovery uh-huh. as fishing buddies. They're a cancer group that takes men with cancer on fly fishing retreats yeah, yeah. where they get group counseling. Local news station came out and filmed, and that's airing on Friday. Beautiful. It's on Friday. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So something positive <laughs> that... Uh, and we'll be out, we'll probably be outshone by them finding what happened with these 500 pounds. <laughs> I, will, I will bet you guys, though, because they can't help themselves, they will do your story and somehow tie it to that. Because, like, if you're a news outlet yeah. right now... But that's great, and that's what I'm talking about, man. Yeah. Like, there, there's, you know, there are things that pop up that... I think are compelling, you know, nice stories that make you feel good that are somehow tied to fishing that could get some love. And it's like these two idiots, like this is, this is the thing. And you know, the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, we crave drama and human suffering in real time. If there was no video component to this, if it was just a written headline in the the Google news ticker, nobody would care because we've read, you know, I, I liken it to like a car accident. Like you hear about a fatal car accident and you're like, oh man, that's really terrible. You see it happen in front of you, it hits different. That's all this is. If there was no cameras, no video, nobody would care. No, it'd just be, a, yeah, it'd be a byline for yep. for a while. So Joe, uh, what percentage fly fishing conventional do you do? Oh man, I guess I would, I would, I would probably put myself around these days 60-40. Conventional, sixty fly. forty conventional, so, and, yeah. And, and honestly, like my fly fishing, like there, are, there are a few things that just few things and a few places where I have to fly fish, uh, you know. But for the most part, fly fishing for me is just like because I feel like it. I can go to a trout river one day and just be like, I just feel like it today, and the next time, you know, I might not. But uh, yeah, I would say nowadays about sixty forty. So what is that determining line for you? Because I would consider myself a fly angler. I will punish myself. Uh, to to throw a fly over conventional fishing, um, and I would say probably the two guys sitting next to me are going to prefer to throw the fly given the opportunity. Sure, but as someone that's close to fifty fifty, where's that line drawn for you to where you're like in this situation I'm going to fly here I'm going to conventional fish. I think it, at this point, and and I don't know how I don't know how how old are you guys roughly thirty. Late thirties. I'm yeah, okay. 39. All right. So then, all right. Oh, you got oh, yeah. thirty nine. Okay, then we're the same age. So okay. So the the whole, <laughs> the whole old guy, young guy thing doesn't work. You're all old too. Um, I don't know, man. I I think for me, like what you just described, like I'm gonna punish myself. I did that for for a lot of years. I mean, that you know, um, 
Lots of that. It had if if the brown trout wasn't on a streamer, it was worthless to me. That was the only <laughs> way that I would yeah. you know fish for brown trout. Um, I had no interest in 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 catching false albacore on anything else but a fly rod, and I I think that I sort of got that out of my system a little bit, and now I look at it. Truly, I don't have a better answer other than mood and what I do a lot. I've written about this a lot too. I, I very, very often go fishing with both things. And mm-hmm. like now I'll go false albacore fishing. That, that runs starting here now. I want to catch them on fly. But I've been out there and gotten my ass handed to me enough because of conditions or because they're up and down too quick that it can often be zero if you're going to stick to those guns. And now I'm turning 40 this year. I've caught a million of them on fly. I, I, I got two little kids. You know what I mean? So time is different. It's I'm not yeah. 25 anymore where I'm fishing every other day yeah. and all weekend, every weekend. So maybe now my opportunities to get out for that fish are fewer. So if I get there, yeah, I'm not I'm not going hell or high water fly. I want to catch some false albacore. And if I, okay. and if I got to sling a metal at him, I don't really care. Um, you know, but then... Uh, and and you know people might say well i don't get this and maybe there's no reason for it but then there are certain places like the upper delaware river i consider that that home water it's not close but i get up there a lot and that is some of the best wild trout fishing east of the mississippi um for some reason i can't bring myself to throw gear there like because i go there to fly fish that's how i started fishing there and like i go there to mouse i go there for for dry flies i go there to streamer fish but then pick another river somewhere else, and I'll go throw stick baits all winter long. But again, if I'm doing that, I probably have a fly rod, and I will literally be like, "This is a really good streamer bank. Let's roll streamers down this bank," and, and that'd be that'd be neat to stick one. I think I'm just I've gotten to a point where I'm just happy catching fish, and it just yeah, it it all depends on my mood. I also find that when I get into a good fly bite, then you can't pry it out of my hand. So if we go alby fishing or red fishing or something, and the situation is like they are on the fly, like that is just the thing that's working and the conditions are right, then I'll fly fish all day. But um, particularly in saltwater, um, I rarely go out without a fly rod, but I never go just with a fly rod anymore. I, 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 you okay. know, I always yeah, I like no, the backup. That, that's a good explanation for sure. I think it I was. Con- I don't. I don't know. I con- just kind of rambling yeah, there. I grew up conventional fishing, yeah. and then at some point switched to fly, and then just kind of stuck to the fly. When was the last time you even conventional fished? Oh, dude, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. No, but I get it. It's like you've been doing it for so long, and that I, I've been out on the river with with family, and I'm throwing. You know, I've given them an ultralight, and you know, I'll go walk around and, and fly fish, and I'll come back, and you know, I'll put my rod down, and I'll throw that ultralight for a bit, and catch a couple, and like, man, this is kind of fun. Yeah. You know, it just. I guess when you're not doing a lot of one, you know, the other, or you're doing a lot of, of one, the other one, when you pick it up, uh, seems pretty fun at first. And then you start that downhill slide on doing that. Yeah. And then you kind of come back to it. The variety. Yeah. For the me, variety. it's if I'm just pretty much on a dock at, at yeah. the coast. That's when I'll throw like a bait caster. Yeah. And that's really about it. Yeah. Because you feel like that and weight and, and some shrimp, that, like, that's what you do. Right. That's what you do. You're there at Red Dot Pier, pier drinking a beer at 2 o'clock in the morning. And yeah. But also, like, there. everyone else around me is throwing, like, live shrimp, and yeah. I'm here with, like, this little fabric thing, and I'm like, I'm not going to get Yeah. Yeah. Been there. If you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, uh, for me, too, I went through that phase. 
never so much in salt water. I never was devoted to fly only in salt, but for many, many years, whether it was bass or pike or pickerel or trout, like I just fly fished. And you guys are talking about how, you know, you said, well, I threw the ultralight and it was kind of fun. I think that happened with me where, you know, you figure things out and you've done this for so long. And then it's like, well, today, just just for the heck of it, I'll, I'll bring the bait caster because I saw these swim yeah. baits and they look they look kind of cool. And then you start doing that and it's like, oh, this is, I want to figure this out. Like, I like this. this is, and you almost sort of find that same passion that you found when you really fell in love with fly fishing for conventional gear again. I'm not saying that applies to everybody, but certain things it, it has for me where I, I have like this, I'm, I'm as excited to do this conventional thing as I would have been to target this same fish on the fly five years ago, you know? Yeah. yeah. What are your uh, favorite species to target? You had to maybe like top three. Top three. Ah, oh, hmm. I can do top two. So, Okay, that's your top two. That's cool. Striped bass and brown trout are, if you really boil it down, because I live coastal, right? I, I've, I've grown up my whole life with, with access to salt water. So I, I can't have one favorite fish, but I can have two. And I'm, I'm very into brown trout, wild brown trout, like looking for big ones in funky places. I'm very into that. And striped bass. Are, like, are you like into the throwing the streamers game, throwing streamers and for Mel big brown? And and yeah. obviously mousing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, yes, yes and no. Like there's, um, without naming it, there's a, there's a river not too far from me that, uh, when buddies and I first started fishing it, we were kind of exploring it and seeing what was going on. And, you know, we were, we were, we were streamer junkies at the time. That's it. Like, you know, live or die by a seven weight and a streamer. And we spent years figuring this river out, doing nothing but throwing streamers, and we'd get a little better, and you'd catch a couple more, and you'd learn a little of this. And and after a few years, you know, you look at this water, and I'm like, I'm convinced there are more trout here than we are catching. So why don't we do something crazy? Why don't we float this and just throw gear at just... just I, I, it, Fishing, like, you don't ever stop learning, right? Like, the, you, you are driven by learning more about your water. So I was like, just for the sake of covering more water, just to see... And the outcome of that is that uh, it's very hard for us to pick up streamer rods on that river anymore because we found so many more fish and covered so much more water and unlocked so many secrets. But the real lesson there, and you guys familiar with, with Brian Wise, fly fishing the Ozarks? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So Brian, when I fished with him many years ago, we shot a hook shots together. And at the time, that's when I was at my peak of streamer craziness. Like I just, I went all in back then with the, you know, cheech leeches and all the stuff he was tying so i went down there to fish with him and he said to me and it was one of the the the, the smartest things i ever heard anybody say he said you know everybody's all crazed about streamers right now uh if all these guys really wanted to get better and be really badass streamer fishermen they would spend a season or two never touching a fly rod and just throw gear and i he is a hundred percent correct so now on these same rivers where I used to just go ride or die with streamers, because I've started spending more time covering that more water and fishing soft plastics and things for trout, now when I do decide, I feel like fly fishing today, or I have somebody on my drift boat who's like, I only want them on a streamer, I am better prepared to do that because I've gotten to observe so many more hits and refusals and where this lure gets in the water quicker than a fly would. I now know where there are more fish than I did before. And I know what streamer, what line weight to give somebody or use myself 
better than I did when I was only fly fishing the same river. And you can apply that to anything you're into, man. You want to catch more stripers on the fly? Spend spend a season throwing nothing but gear. It's the truth. I mean, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Because no, you can cover more water. You can make more casts. There's probably a wider variety of lures that sink at different rates. Easier to control your depth than on a fly. So you could really take what you know and really dial it in. I, I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. E- everybody know. understands it, but then the fly guys don't actually want to do it. They don't want. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to do it. I, I, I'm not. Well, I'm not saying. I'm, I'm watching go your face. So you're like, I yeah. hear what you're saying, but yeah. I'm not I doing like that. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Also, <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm going stubborn. to. I'm stubborn. Okay. I am stubborn. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see when I, I don't. When I don't I get know my, that I'm going to Bass Pro tomorrow. Well, all I know is is when my ranger boat order comes in with my hat and my hoodie for my <laughs> Halloween costume. You gotta get something. I might put it on and just be like, you know, I should bait cast today. <laughs> like, yeah. The one yeah, thing I can yeah. tell you is I left my bait caster and my spin rod at my in-laws house about a year ago and I just asked my wife about it like three weeks ago. So clearly it's been important. To me. <laughs> but I, no, that's what that's, that's what that's I awesome. that's what I tell people and that's why one of my biggest pet peeves is the whole fly gear rift. Like when I see like you know these memes making fun of gear. I'm, I hate that because part part of my my whole vibe with all the content I've created from hook shots to bent to the new podcast coming out, like that message that Brian Wise gave me. You know, if you want to get good at fly, get you know spend spend time uh, gear fishing works the other way too. There there are yeah. many things you can learn by fly fishing that'll make you a better gear angler. If you can figure out how to feed trout a mealworm on a hook with a couple split shots, what what kind of leg up do you now have to nymph? So I, I've always, it's not a belief, it's a fact. There is so much connective tissue in every kind of angling, yet we're so factioned. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we, just, we just fly. We, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's who you are. That's what you want to do. But I come along and I'm like, we're all doing the same thing. Whether you want to believe that or not, like we are all doing the same thing. And you can learn so much from, from talking and hanging out with the dudes who don't do what you do all the time, you yeah. know? Uh, Joe, what is an underappreciated fish for you? An underappreciated fish for me? Like like a fish that I don't think gets enough love? Yeah, a fish that you don't think gets enough love. Bowfin. Bowfin, bowfin. nice. Okay, okay, why? Bo- well, so bowfin, um, you guys have bowfin down there? You ever play with them at all we in any capacity? We don't have them. Ah, I've seen one on a wall. That's at a, a fish <laughs> restaurant. If, if you can find some, it's worth it. Even if you got to drive, it, it's worth it. Uh, you know, f- first of all, bowfin are just cool because they're dinosaurs. So there's, you know, there's always so much debate in this country over ah, it's invasive this and the snakeheads and the carp and all of this and you know, dude, bowfins were here before anything that we loved, before every trout, every bass. So I, I love that aspect of them, and they are just like marvels of evolution. Um, you know, they, they, they can be sight fish too. A lot of it is super visual. They live in places where there's not as much pressure. There's nobody else there. So it's like, oh, you hate pressure on your lake or your river. Go, go to the bowfin swamp, dude. There's nobody there, right? You get out there in a kayak or whatever. And I mean, pound for pound, bowfin scrap. I mean, you are working for it from hook set to net and the hook set part, their, their jaws rock hard. So you miss tons of them. So when you finally hit one, 
they're, they're just an exhilarating fish, but everybody's like, oh, they're so yucky and weird and gross. And are whatever. they aggressive? Like when you're fishing for them, are you going to get a lot of hits during the day? Uh, it, it depends. If depends. they're if they're spawning and they're or they're guarding fry, dude, they'll attack you. Like they'll bite your ankle if you're way. There's if you, go on YouTube and look up bowfin attacks. Like a dude will paddle a kayak in, and there'll be a fry ball there, and and mom's oh, guarding man. it, and she'll like lunge at the kayak. They're so nasty. Oh, okay. But, you know, one thing that's cool about them um, is that they're so versatile, too. So I can I can take you guys to places from April to October where I guarantee you we will catch bowfin every single time without fail if you're willing to chunk bait because they're smell feeders. So if you're into catfishing, you can do what you do catfishing for bowfin. If you want to throw flies or something like that, they have very poor eyesight. So it's often like you have to get real, you have to like knock them off the head, but it's super okay. fun. You get a big white fly with a big saltwater grade hook to really penetrate that jaw. And like you got a big bowfin shimmying across an inch of water and you just like nudge that fly in front of his face and he just, it's gone. They're the yeah. bomb, man. They, they do not get enough respect as a game fish, you know? It's almost like carp down here for us. It sounds like we have to go to kind of Alabama. It looks like it's the closest spot where we might have some shots some at bowfin. bowfin. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. We have carp and gar, and we got some alligator gar down here. But this this far south central Texas where we're at, you know, carp carp's there. Yeah, and and we that's that's the kind of the uh, explosion yeah. and, right and now. You, and you you kind of made the comment about catfish. Not the Euro nymphing, I don't know what it is. I catch more catfish. Dude, Euro nymph rod. Dude, Gabe cleans them out, man, on Euro nymph, like throwing nymphs. So saying there's a chance with uh, with these bowfins on a on a Euro nymph rod. Like yeah, catch catfish. No, sounds I would, like no, I might get lucky. I, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do. A, no, they're not going to eat that. But I, no, no, I mean, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, for, and, for and, being and smelling and if, fish. If you guys ever get there, I mean, don't mess around. Like nine, ten weight. Like you got to jam them, That's and awesome. they will break a rod. They are. They are awesome some awesome fish um i've spent time in your neck of the woods gar fishing which i love and i know that there are sort of ways to do that on the fly but it's a lot of work right place right time i've not i've not dabbled in that where you went to the was it the trinity trip uh where did you go for that? so i came down there the first time to shoot that like a week after that catastrophic flooding you guys had this was several years ago now probably five mm -hmm. years and we went to the Sabine instead because the Trinity was blown out. But we, the Sabine was not much better. We caught nothing. I ended up coming back six, six months later, and we hammered on the Trinity. And uh, I, I loved those fish. I loved everything about the Trinity River. Um, super, super, super cool. But I want to get back down there and do it artificial or fly. Mm -hmm. But I know, at least as I understand it, that's a... Uh, like get here tomorrow kind of thing because the clarity's right and they're stacked up yeah. here and that's your shot, you know? So yeah. I don't know. But carp, I agree too. Very underrated fish. I've been doing that a lot more. I used to do a ton of that. I was enamored with fly fishing for carp and sort of trailed off. But then like this summer you get bored and I'm like, ah, I'll do that again. And like, there they were and it was a lot of fun. So I got back And you got to come down and fish for a Guadalupe bass with us too, mm -hmm. our state fish. Right. You haven't done that. It's It's... It, so are you guys in hill country, as they say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're yep. on the south side of the hill country. Okay, so I have never been there, though. Sad story. I was lined up to, uh, this would have been 2018. I had a, a trip all set up to do the whole show down there, film it, the whole nine. And, and two days before we were going to get on a plane, a nor'easter hit here and put a giant oak tree on my house. Wow. And I'm like, uh, sorry, not going. And I, and yeah. I never got back. But I, I have... Some friends that get down there on the occasion and love it. So your area, 
we should do it together because it's like it's been on my yeah. list for forever. I just never got back. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it's pretty special down here, just because you don't think Texas has anything like it, and it's just yeah, the Hill Country yeah. special. You'll have to come down here. We'll we'll take you out, man. We'll take for you sure. on a couple of different rivers, and then shoot, man. After that, we'll take you down to the San Antonio River Walk. And we'll go catch fish. We'll go catch real grand cichlids and bass on the river. Love it. Yeah. Love it. The the other yeah. one, and I, I think you, you guys will certainly know better. I know it's a little bit more of a pain, but what is it? The devil's the one I've seen pictures of? That's yeah, like the devil's. Aqua blue. Yep. We, I ha- we're trying to get a trip to the devil's. We're, try- we're trying to get a trip, but it's, uh, it's uh, planning. Uh, it's tough to access. And it's yeah, an access it's nightmare and a planning nightmare. days, and then even when you're on there, it's... It's it is somewhat you're dangerous. On you're, you're on there. You're on there. You break a leg. Yeah. You're there. Yeah, you're finished. You I get heard. shot out. Pretty you're remote. there. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. It's but it's it's at, yeah. And then absolutely. there's a water. You got to kayak it, and there's mm-hmm. a waterfall portage. Um, and then there's the whole landowner issue as well on the Devils. It's the wild. It's the wild west out there. Yeah, I, so. well, never mind I, then. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, well, I like, <laughs> but that's what, that's what makes it cool about it. Because yeah. like yeah. when I when I first got my fly rod. Uh, I just graduated college. Uh, I had a, I was a hospital supply rep. I was driving. I ha- actually had uh, one of the hospitals uh, as a client down there in Laredo, and so I would, or excuse me, in Del Rio. So I would I would get my stuff done, uh, grab my rod, and then you know drive to this little area off the you know the Amistad uh, Amistad Lake or Lake Amistad, excuse me. And that that place is huge. It is a huge body of water that goes into Mexico. The Devils does drain into it, and that water clarity is amazing. Amazing, oh, but yeah. w- when you have to walk the bank, and if you're not paying attention, you have uh, millipedes and tarantulas walking around, and you've got two-legged coyotes that you got to be, you know, concerned with, you know, and people walking up, and you know, random cars because it's such a, a big place that you can be fishing a spot, and you're by yourself by a mile, yeah, you know, in just a parking area. Yeah. So it it makes it fun, it makes it dangerous. You know, but uh, it was a cool place to try to learn how to fly fish on, even though that's not everyone's, you know, norm. they're always on a river learning how to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was a cool place. You know what else you guys got down there that I want to talk about for a second? Jersey Mike's. Yeah. I see you drinking out of a jersey. You got Jersey uh, Mike's? Yes, sir. That's it's what we yes. had for dinner. Hill Country? Yeah, San Antonio, babe. The bread can't <laughs> that's, possibly that's be as good as the Jersey Mike's here. There's no way they're shipping the fresh Philadelphia Amoroso bread all the way out there on a daily basis, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we had. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, that's, hey, maybe they're making it fresh. I don't know. <laughs> Send them the dough. Yeah. They're sitting in the water. They're sitting, it's in the water, man. They're sitting in the water. I was just watching Landon. It caught me off <laughs> yeah. guard. I'm like, Jersey Mike's? No I mean, I guess way. it'd be weird, too. <laughs> you guys supposed to be a Whataburger? Right like, what are you doing? You know? Hey, man, Whataburger hits yeah. the rotation. I was just saying, like, <laughs> where, where are you out of right now? Like, where, where you're calling from where? What so I'm in, I'm in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. So I'm a Jersey guy, born okay. and raised, and I'm, I'm proud of that. Uh, and this is like a, I've said this so many times, it's like a running joke but i don't care because i have to reaffirm that i am a jersey guy to the bone i just jumped across the river for the tax break so it's just cheaper to live right across the river PA, but i can smell jersey it's very close yeah so i'm, I'm about 30 miles north of philadelphia right now i was gonna say it'd be weird if we were looking at your camera and you have a bag of uh, taco cabana i think we would be like yeah, are those weird. tortillas I, they can't i don't be i don't, I don't even know what that i, I yeah, yeah. See? <laughs> but, but whataburger like i'm you like don't know what oh we just got is, off though. the plane we're going right there immediately yeah, yeah. no that's that every that time here. we cross the threshold if we we're coming back into texas it's stop at the first waterburger mm-hmm. and then bucky's and bucky's well kansas city's getting waterburger now 
They are. That's and that, doesn't, that doesn't help me. Bucky's that the truck stop? <laughs> Bucky's yeah, the truck stop. Bucky's the truck stop. Oh yeah, god! Yeah, someday yeah. a boy can dream. I've seen the photos. <laughs> what is it like? Eight rows or just beef jerky or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah and that you can get right. fresh that, beef jerky. Yes. They have to wait for, it, but they yeah. also have a prepackaged. Well, well, I got like a, I got like a half a pound. They're like, do you, you want a bag for this? Because me and Landon <laughs> were there this weekend, and I was like, yeah, sure. And they brought like a a two gallon Ziploc, yeah. and just like threw it in there like i'm okay sure i'll roll with yeah. it i spent 60 dollars on beef jerky one time went to a bachelor party it was supposed to last me the whole weekend i ate it the first night oh, it's delicious. Yeah. It was 2 a.m and it's it was delicious. gone that's and what you do with beef jerky dude like you get yeah. in the car like you're not gonna i don't remember tonight. eating the beef jerky i just remember waking up and only having like a crumb left and i was like i guess i was there it. rum involved Probably so. Ah, I'm not allowed yeah. to drink rum anymore. See, we, we not allowed to drink rum anymore. A, a lot of our good <laughs> truck stops like went away here, but I mean, Bucky's like you can still get a shower and like watch a movie or something there, can't you? Like it's real deal. No, oh, yeah. well, it, not not the. Sh- I don't think the showers on this because I know there's some of the pilot ones they can do the, the showers. Okay, because like, yeah. oh, Bucky's yeah. does not allow truckers. Yeah, truckers. so Bucky's doesn't allow truckers. Wait, what? I'm sorry, yeah. I'm hijacking your fishing podcast, but, but I'm learning. No, no, here. <laughs> no, no. I no, thought Bucky's were the biggest truck stops in the country. So, so <laughs> it, you would think it's a truck stop. It looks like a truck stop, but they don't allow trucks. It's they have a million pumps to fill up. I mean, it's I don't just, know, just sixty for, pumps probably. Uh, oh, actually, more than one one twenty in yeah. uh, New Braunfels is one. Okay, so they have one hundred twenty gas pumps. They only allow You're cars. Like something and, dumb like that. No, no semi trucks. Um, only like you know passenger vehicles. Huh. And uh, inside is like. It's like all, a little mall. It's like a little mall. It's like all homemade jerky, homemade brownies, homemade fudge, but you barbecue. Can't, you can't get a new CB antenna and a tire thumper there. Though, no, huh? you, you, no, you can't, but but the <laughs> bathrooms are the size of like a 10 by 10 closet with, with soundproofed. It's an amazing experience. <laughs> and you can get new Costa sunglasses. Yeah. yeah. You can do that. Yeah. I mean, and, it's, and I think they have a Bucky wow. sticker on the side of them. It's wow. Like, it's Their bathrooms are cleaner than any, than I guarantee you, than cleaner than the bathroom at your house. Like, I, <laughs> well, I guarantee, I have two little kids. I guarantee they're cleaner than the yeah. bathroom at yeah. my house. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, if you're going to stop, at least, you know, you're going to stop and use the bathroom. That's the draw for me, at least. Yeah. It's like, if I'm going to use the bathroom, it's going to be at a Bucky's. And the doors close like a closet. <laughs> yeah. Not like. Like a regular gas. You have your bathroom. own room. The door it goes all nice. the way to the floor. Exactly. The door goes all the way to the floor. Nobody's peeking. No one's peeking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, much, how much time do you guys spend at Bucky's? I mean, you know a lot. Well. A lot. That's I what mean, you, you know. know. Well. It's, it's yeah. weird how much time you probably spend at Bucky's if <laughs> yeah. you have a time. Well, when I come down to go fly fish down there, we'll eat, we'll I will you will go to Bucky's. Oh, we'll spend at least oh, yeah. a we'll, Bucky's like twenty minutes away. Yeah. We can oh, dude. Do that. We'll we'll give you the uh, the Texas experience. We'll take you to Bucky's. We'll eat at Waterburgers. We'll take you to Taquitos West for the best street tacos you've ever had. Righteous. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, put you on some hill country rivers. It'll be awesome. Oh yeah, let's do it. Love it. Yeah, uh, Joe, how did you start? How did you get into fishing? Have you always been a fisherman, or was there like a point in your life where you're like, that? no, no? For me, I was lucky because um, it was it was always there. You know, my my grandfather, my dad's side always had a boat. My my dad was always into fishing. My mom's parents actually owned a bait and tackle shop locally. Um, so like when my mom was in high school, she would like come home and help pack worms in the basement. You know, they lived, <laughs> oh, they, awesome. they lived upstairs. Um, and all my grandparents and, and both my parents, my mom and dad, both 
would take me after school whenever I wanted to go. Uh, you know, we grew up renting, renting houses at the Jersey Shore, so we're down there crabbing off the bulkhead. I'd go on summer vacation for two weeks at the beach and never see the ocean. I wanted to be in the bay crabbing and catching snapper bluefish. So I was fortunate that that was extremely nurtured and, and, and something I started doing when I was very young, you know. And then did you, when you went to school, because you said since you graduated that you have been uh, basically in the fishing industry, did you go to school knowing that you wanted to be in the industry or did it just kind of luck happened and it worked out or... I'll give you the quick version. I, I, I planned to not go to school at all because I was sure my metal band was going to be the next Metallica. And then <laughs> yes. I realized that's that's not happening. So then I said, well, I love music and I love recording bands and things, which kind of ties to what I do now, if you think about it and what we're doing now. But I wanted, I wanted to go to school for recording technology and grew up playing in these punk metal and hardcore bands. And I got interviews at a few schools. But it, it quickly dawned on me that, well, if you run the recording program at this school, you don't want every kid playing chugga-chugga power chords clogging your precious classroom space. So they're like, well, if you want in, like, you got to know how to play. Like, play this sheet music. And I was like, bye. I don't know. I can't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't I play when I come around. Like, that's what I know how to play, right? So luckily, uh, I had always really enjoyed writing i always had you know the crap in the poetry magazine in high school and i i love creative writing um so that was something i wanted to do so I, I switched gears to journalism and and got into a school for journalism but it really wasn't until like my junior year that i'm like well you're gonna graduate what are you gonna do with this and i'm like oh fishing i love fishing maybe we can write about fishing um so yeah i mean that's and then and then it was a you know a ton of lucky breaks from there a lot of meeting similar to bands again meeting the right people at the right time the right foots indoors but you got to remember even back then in 2005 things were way different than they are now there were not yeah. a bunch of 20 some year old kids clamoring to get into the fishing writing world I, it was weird now everybody's a writer everybody's an influencer everybody's you know somebody on instagram a podcaster yeah a podcaster, <laughs> exactly. a podcaster yeah. everybody's a podcaster <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean you know so i i caught this weird tail end of when print was king and, you know, just kind of rode along with the shift. So it's been, what, 17 years? That's not that much time if you really think about it. But the way that just fishing media in general has developed in that time, it's like going from horse-drawn carriage to the motor car, man. Like, it's everything's been flipped on its head, and it's completely different from when I started in 2005, yeah. you know. No, and you, and you bring up a good point with that. And, and I was listening to the, the that Big Water podcast that you were on and, and a couple of years ago, and you were talking about how, you know, when you got your first camera, you know, and, and asking for that for for what your birthday or Christmas, Christmas, one of those yeah, things. yeah, and and you know, starting that grind on it, and and even uh, Zach and I were talking before the podcast too about you know watching some of your, your videos, especially with like the the hook shots, um, and and seeing kind of like that grungy. Um, it, it reminded us of what the Anthony Bourdain like no reservations, no yeah. you know, yeah. like how those that style of cutting and going and that gorilla type of videoing. So, what would you say like you in learning from that? Like, what was that that process? You got your first camera, you know, for someone like I'm slowly starting to get into it, um, and you know, starting to create stuff and 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 trying to do B roll and trying to do all of that. Can you walk us through like that process and, and kind of that mindset from from then to now on on how you would put stuff together? Yeah, I mean, so you know, of all the things I've done, I still hear about hook shots the most. I did that for eleven years, eighty some episodes. Like, I still don't believe we kept that going as long as we did. 
But um, the beauty of that was it truly, truly was not a shtick. It looks the way it looked. It felt the way it felt because I had no friggin' idea what I was doing. <laughs> I got a camera and I'm like, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to cut it the way I think it's interesting and use the music that I like and just sort of took on this attitude that I still carry. It's like, if you're, if you're into what I'm doing, I love you. That's great. If you're not, cool. Like, I'm not for everybody. There are certain people that hated hook shots and they're like, oh, it's all this mm-hmm. punk me. I want my bluegrass. Well, dude, there's plenty of videos <laughs> with that. That's fine, man. Like, go do it. So it, it was one of those things that people, are, you know, I get that a lot. Like, man, how did you come up with that? I'm like, I didn't come up with anything. I just did it. And it just, yeah. that's just how it turned out. Um, the funny thing about that is that if you if you look at, at, at those years, I mean, I was doing that while working for a company that focus was print. So I didn't have a ton of direction internally on how to market a video and how to, you know, cut video. I, I just learned that all as I went. But in hindsight, what one of the biggest things I learned is that ignorance is bliss and you can never go back because then when I went to Meat Eater, now you're at a company that is... I mean, that's what they do is video and podcast. That is what they put first. And they are extremely professional about how they do that. So when I moved over there and I pitched uh, the, the the pilot for B-Side Fishing, I did two seasons of that for them. And I, and I still edited that myself. It was me top to bottom. But all of a sudden it's like, all right, you're going here. Uh, okay, let's start working on permits. I'm like, Permits? Yeah. You mean you mean I can't just walk into the Shonies and fire up a video camera? They're like, yeah, no. And on one hand, it was this incredible learning experience. I was also cutting everything with iMovie for 11 years, and they're like, you're going to learn, learn Premiere. And so I, I learned like big boy, real people editing software because of Meat Eater. So it was, an inc- it was incredible to work with their production team. But on the, on the other hand, it's like, oh, man, I'm learning the real way to do this, and it is not as fun as just walking into Shoney's and throwing a video <laughs> camera on yeah. somebody. But oh, for, for all those years there, again, because you know it was more of a print-based company, nobody ever said, don't do that. It was just like, oh, great episode, man. It was, it was fun. So like, ignorance is bliss. Sometimes you can know too much. Um, so, you know, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a blessing and a curse. I, you know, I learned a a lot more about editing and how to do it more professionally, but you're also like, oh, this is how, this is how the real people do it. And I need to spend three months pulling permits before I ever get on the plane. So Hookshots was good because it was pure spontaneity. Like we were talking about, um, you know, earlier about sometimes it's better to, to get the story and then intro it later in a podcast because you figure out what you got then you can talk about it later. Well, it's the same thing in hook shots. I would just go. I'd know what we were fishing for, but I had no idea what was going to happen and just rolled on everything and got it and then filled in with interviews later to to make the glue, you know? Um, but when you start pulling permits and doing all kinds of things, now it's like, well, damn, we have one day to fish here because that's all the, we have a permit for one oh. day. So if we don't get the thing that we're trying to get, I'm screwed. You know, so it just made it a lot harder to shift on the fly, you know? Yeah. No, that makes sense. No, and you can tell the difference in those videos because a lot of them, especially on, uh, you know, Instagram, social media, they're all kind of the same. They're all that cookie cutter, I got my drone footage, I got my slow-mo action shot, where, where that, you know, the hook shot stuff, looking back on it, it's it's so, like, grungy and, like I said, guerrilla style, and 
you can tell that difference and they can appreciate that difference and it makes it so much better because everything is so kind of washed out right now you know they're all kind of the same well i think i think what's happening now i mean there are lots and lots of incredibly talented videographers out there young guys old guys i mean you know i see the same footage you guys are seeing but the approach I took when I started that, first of all, I didn't have a drone and I had a crappy camera. It was like, you know, from Best Buy. It wasn't some fancy, you know, whatever, from B&H photography or whatever. <laughs> but I, I think I had an advantage uh, because I started my career purely as a writer. So what did I know how to do? I knew how to tell a story on a page. So when it went over to video, what always mattered to me and what still only matters to me in the end is telling a story. I firmly believe if you can engage an audience and tell you have something to say, you have a story to tell, dude, you could shoot it on a flip phone. Like if you can engage your audience and they like you and they like what you're saying and follow the story, yes, that is always enhanced by the professional footage and the drone and, and, and all that stuff. Like when I went to media, they gave me a camera guy, which I'd never had a camera guy before. And we got along really well. We had a blast. We were a good team. And I was like, wow, I'm fishing so much more. Because after all those years, it'd be like, can you film me fishing for these casts? And then like, I'll film you, right? You know, that, that's how Hookshots got made. It was past the camera. So, yeah. you know, there are certainly advantages to that. And, and, you know, ideally a good story and the killer footage is perfect. But I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I see a lot of these things now. I'm like, this is really gorgeous. And you're not telling me anything. Like, yeah, it's pretty. But what is the story here? Nobody's talking. It's just, you know, shot after shot. But like, what is the story? What do you what is the message you're trying to convey? Yeah. Uh, you know, and 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 that's where I think it, it falls short. Like, I believe you don't have anything unless you have the story. Like mm -hmm. pretty shots do not make a story. You know, have a story first and then build all that, you know, all your resources for drones and things around that, but have a really compelling or interesting or funny or you know weird whatever just have a story man just talk talk to me i like to be talked to you know <laughs> uh joe what's your most memorable experience fishing oh man you think that would just jump right out at me um i have to say i i, I have to go back to the biggest fish i ever caught in my life which was a 10-foot hammerhead and I did that on the beach. We were surf fishing for him. And that was for a Hook Shots episode uh, many, many years ago with my good friend Zach the Hammer Miller, who still pops up on my podcast and stuff. All <laughs> did he the get the nickname from that fishing trip, or did he have the nickname oh, uh, before? Oh, no. He was introduced as the Hammer the first time I met him. So <laughs> I don't actually know who gave him was that. He no. Was he a lawyer? Was he a lawyer? No, he certainly wasn't that. Was, uh, anything but that. But um, yeah, I got intrigued by that whole land-based shark fishing thing, which is another thing that has been blown so out of proportion now. You know, it, Zach was in it when it was this kind of mildly underground thing still. And we struggled for three days and then finally connected. And I mean, to reel against a fish of that size on the sand is, is pretty impressive. And it's pitch dark. So you got him and another guy down there with a flashlight. You can't see what's going on. You don't know which direction it's going. You don't know if it's in. You don't know if it's still fighting. You're watching, you know, an 80 wide reel dump, you know, b between your knees holding on for dear life. Um, that's a, that's a tough one to beat, man. I mean, that is, that is a pretty, that's awesome. You know, that, that has stuck with me. 
you know. That's a that's a cool story. And like you said, the shark fishing things exploded. I mean, down here. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's huge. It's, it's just here. like it's insane. Yeah. yeah. I've never done it. I'm kind of interested in actually in doing it, but it's just But there's guys that have like names like that on the on like the Texas the Texas uh I, they call them something. I forget what they they call that whole group that's that's down there that that does the shark fishing, but yeah, I to, I don't doubt there's probably a hammer over here that refers to himself in third person. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you right now that the guy, and this is going back to 2005, 2006, before any of this blew up, Eric Ozelins was his name, and he was a Texas guy. And I remember he hit my radar when I was an intern at Saltwater Sportsman because that dude was catching Mako sharks at Padre. I mean, putting Makos on the beach. And I don't know yeah. if he's still around or what, but... He had a lot of attention before that blew up because I mean that dude was was on it. He he's talked to Hammer. They they ran sort yeah. of in the same digital circles at least. Um, but and, and plus you guys also are, are you know you had Billy Sandifer. That was the yeah, pioneer. I mean Billy yeah. Sandifer was the pioneer of all that when it was super hush hush and nobody knew anything about it. He was out there you know catching thousand pound tiger sharks on Padre yeah. by himself you know for fun yeah. and you know. So with that with that fishing, I could just see him with his fishing shirt halfway unbuttoned, and he had yeah. that, you know, the shark medallion. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's 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 sadly no longer here. But yeah, and I never got to meet him. But uh, a friend a friend of mine interviewed him once for a shark fishing story, and he's like, Joe. I could tell just by the background noise he was talking to me while sitting in a bathtub. I was like, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he would. Good for him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, he was, he was, he was a, a I, I know buddies that knew him, uh, and it just seemed like another cool character. And they still have the beach cleanups uh, mm-hmm. on his name and, and do all that. So, yeah, man, that's, such, that's so cool. So, Joe, tell us about your future projects. What do you got in the works right now? Yeah, man. So I am uh, launching my new podcast, Cut and Retie, on October 28th. Um, and I'm, I'm pumped about it, man. You know, after all these years, uh, all these different content properties, uh, this is this is my first foray into, um, you know, owning this. I'm not making this for somebody, uh, you know, for a different media brand. Like this is, this is going to be my baby, uh, my own business. And, um, yeah, spent a lot of time this summer getting ready. And it's funny because people are like, well, it's taking so long, man. It's a podcast. It's taking so long. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going all in. I built out a, a little studio space for it so I can have people nice. in house and, um, you know, shopped it around and, and got some, some sponsorship and been having a lot of fun. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited for launch. You know, I, 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 people are a little bit impatient, but I want to say like, so am I, like, I, I wish it was a month ago too, but like, you know, chips have to fall and and things have to, uh, sort of take their course. But, um, yeah, man. And if, if, if anybody listening has been following me for a while, you know, the Hookshots podcast years ago was was similar to what you guys are doing, where we're, we're just rapping, doing interviews, and just talking to cool, fishy people. And then the Bent podcast, which people were big fans of, too, kind of came off more like a 90s radio show. It was very segmented, so it was very fast. Like, nothing ran yeah. more than three minutes, and it was just bang, bang, bang. And it, 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 I, I enjoyed it, but, man, was that a hard one to put together week over week. And the feedback that I'm, I've gotten from a lot of people is like... You know, we love Bent, but we just we just we miss the old Hookshots podcast. So Cut and Retie is going to be a combo of the two. I'm marrying the two, and uh, you still can't please everybody, but I'm hoping to please a lot of people. So I'm 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 very pumped. 
That's kind of how we. That's kind of how we do it. We do. Uh, we have like you know our intro. We kind of you know shoot the breeze a little bit, but then we have three segments that go three to five minutes, and then we do the long form interview. Uh, it interview. depends on what we're drinking that night. It as does well. depend yeah. on what we're drinking. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we do, we, we do a bourbon review too. Yeah, oh, like we know what we're dangerous. talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, we did the summer of mixing reviews for three months where you tried a different mixed drink. I feel like that got dangerous, more dangerous. Quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I've I've already, you know, uh, I've, I'm well into recording and stockpiling the first few shows. So uh, a buddy of mine owns a brewery and I'm like, give me a bunch of beer. Like, I'll shout you <laughs> out. Like, be, yeah. be, yeah. My, be my studio beer. Absolutely. And, um, you know, with everything else I made, Hook Shots was always, uh, that podcast was always remote like this. So you're talking to somebody on the computer and the Bent podcast was remote as I, I lived out here and, you know, my co-hosts were, were always in, uh, in Montana. So this is the first time now I have this dedicated space set up where if it's somebody local or somebody in town, like we can sit down together. Um, and I, I will be doing a bunch of stuff remote, but as often as I can get, you know, an ass in a seat, I want to do it. So yeah. we've done that a few times already. And I'm like, dude, I need to not drink as much beer doing like I've never, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, you know what I mean? Like we're 40 minutes in and I'm like, Ooh, look at, let me, I gotta, let me look at my notes because you're like <laughs> yeah. day drinking. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon and it's like, let's have a beer. Well, brewery beers, are all these tall boys and they always hit harder than like the bush latte. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, oh dude, you gotta, you gotta curb yourself or you're, or you're not going to get through this or maybe it'll be great. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, it's yeah. So I, I drink in podcasts now. We, too. We've yeah. had, we've, had our, we've had some we've had some rough ones where it, it just tasted horrible. We don't know how we made it through the rest of the podcast was that weird taste on your and we've had some like hundred I brought some hundred and thirty six proof stuff. Ah. And and yeah, it's and after that first ten minutes we're like, this is gonna be a good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're right. Off the rails Off real the rails. quick. Yeah. And, and then Joe, I don't know if you've if you've seen this TikTok thing yet, but you mix you mix Mountain Dew and Bush Light. 50-50. 50-50. A little bit of ice, a little bit of ice. No, no, he's shrugging it off. Like no, it I know. I'm shrugging off because I'm like, I don't see anything on TikTok. I don't, I don't do the TikTok. Oh, no, that's oh, fine. I, it's okay. Well, this exists. This drink exists. It's a half and half. Uh, it's called a, a do and brew, or we, we call it a do and brew. We call it a do and brew. But it is that episode I, was fun because man, by the end of it, you're 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 jacked up on Mountain Dew and feeling great. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good. I like both of those things. I, I like a Bush Light, and I don't mind Mountain Dew, so I'm sure that would be fine. Um, yeah. are you guys into red beers? Yeah. Like, Zach's our beer guy. Zach's our beer guy. Yeah. yeah. So like, like red ales? Or no, no. no. Red tomato beer, ju- like, tomato like juice and beer. Tomato juice, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I know that's, that's yeah. going on in the fishing world right now. Everyone's, you know, bringing the little, uh, there's some places well, that's why here that have like those ask. type of bloody matter. I feel like you guys are probably a little bit more plugged into like the current fly scene than I am, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. What, why must we have the Michelada? Like every every other fly fishing related post on Instagram is like another dude making a Michelada. Why? Why is now, that, see, is here, that like the here, official drink of drift boating now? I don't no, get no, it. Down here, it's, it's ranch waters down here. It's That's, ranch waters. Okay, actually, you know. that too. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. You, know, you, you can do the canned ones or you do the real way. Topo Chico, a little bit of tequila and lime, and that's that's like the yeah, that's Texas. Yeah, that's, it's, that's, it's, Texas and it's delicious. Like I'm a big Bloody Mary drinker. Like I I don't mind a straight red beer. Like they're not my favorite, but just that's like that's like the Polish guys in in town. Like the old guys, just you know, literally a beer and a tomato juice. But then the Michelada thing, they're delicious. But I'm like, oh my god! Like, it's like, do you is it you required to drink? If you're floating, no. are you required to have the ingredients to make this? Or you're like kicked out of fly like a- fishing? A lot of work for a float. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
And that's how I feel about IPAs too. Like I don't get that. <laughs> IPA is too much work. I, yeah. No, no, no. It's not too much work, but I don't get the like every the IPA craze. I, just, I don't like them, dude. Yeah. I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't either. I, yeah, I can't. Can't do yeah, it. Someone finally agreed with me. Gosh, it's been years, but I finally got a guy to say he doesn't like IPAs. Well, with me. you have to like it because <laughs> that's the only thing breweries serve right now. Well, like, well, no, that used to be the way. Now it's different. But no, I mean, I, I will, I will, I will say I am trendy in the sense of I love sours. I mean, they're like Ooh, salty sours. Yeah, sours. Are yeah. Right? So I, I have no, I have no issue with like this, this you know, modern hipstery stuff with the salty sours. Uh, but otherwise I like beer. It tastes like beer. So when I go to brewery, I'm like, what's your lager? Or, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm fine with yeah. that. I'm, I'm down with anything, but I just cannot get into pale ales, dude. I do not like them. They, yeah, they they're, burn. they're all different. I feel like some I can't do, but some I can do with wings, like yeah. hot wings for whatever reason, <laughs> they mix great, you know, and, and the cheaper, the hot wing, the better, you know, like, uh, gas station hot wings. Like, oh man, it would be good with this $18 beer. That's in college. I mean, like IPAs were like on the rise, you know, if like you had to drink them, if you wanted to be cool, you had that much money in college to be able to get I, that. I was going to say, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like it was skull still, and bone society. It was still male like Coors. It was still Coors. No, no. Natty, Natty Light, the Lighthouse beer, Lighthouse had they only sold tall boys yeah and i remember i had my six bucks for the week and i'd get that and i'd pop one off and i'd put the other one the ring around my hand and walk around with that because that was all i was going to be able to afford for yeah, see we made our own ipas we took uh, a coors light and we dropped a little bit of grass clippings in it. <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> a little shot of lawnmower oil in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man yeah i think i think our group here i mean we're 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 pretty dangerous between between Mixed drinks, beer, and <laughs> high-proof bourbon, alcohol bourbon. bourbons yeah. and scotches. Well, uh, yeah, I think we all have our favorites and share share nicely. We're just not allowed to have rum anymore. Just yeah, <laughs> rum isn't rum's go. the one rum that's off the table. Off the limit. <laughs> all right, Joe, man, thanks for coming on. This was great, it dude. Was. This is a blast. You guys are a lot of fun. I'll do any any time you want me back. Holler. I'm here. Okay, there absolutely. And, and likewise, when you get when you get into town, call us. We've got or places. schedule something. Or if you, yeah, yeah, dude, we'll talk. Yeah, let we'll us talk because it is truly yeah. overdue. It is truly overdue. Yeah, I want to fish sure. hill country and more so go to Bucky's. But that's like you know. <laughs> well, we yeah. can do that. Hey, man, two birds. Yeah, <laughs> two <laughs> birds. Right. Yeah, yeah. We'll, Bre- breakfast tacos, brisket, the whole yeah. nine yards. Oh, we'll take dude, care we'll of get you some Texas barbecue too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. we'll give you a reason to go to Bucky's. Right on. Right on. One more time, Joe. What was the name? Drop the name of your podcast again. Cut and retie. Cut and, and that will be and everywhere podcasts are found. Again, I'm, I'm dropping episode one uh, October 28th, and there should, there should be a, already a, a trailer up that you can go listen to and subscribe early. But uh, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, if I missed one, tell me, and I'll get it there too. Because you always miss that one, and guys like, are you on Beansprout Podnet? I'm like... <laughs> Nah, bro. I can be now, though, for you. So, you know, try as you might. There's always that one wacky one out here that guy's like, I only listen to that. I'm like, oh, shit. All right. No, we get that, too. Yeah. 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 So I feel uh, feel we just got called out. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it'll be out there, and I'm pumped about it. So hopefully uh, some of your people tune in, man. Yeah, For absolutely. Sure. We'll drop the link in the bio, or not in the bio, in the description. Yep. And uh, that way they can just click on it and go check it out. Cool. So, awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Joe. All right. Take care, guys. Be good. Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, 
TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.